Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another Romeo Carey podcast. Today, part three of an ongoing series. I have quite a bit of these. I'm going to mix it up. I'm not going to put them all out this season, but I've got the interesting character. You know, I dropped some of these on the YouTube channel and man, dropped one and it went viral. And sitting, you know, in my vault for five or six years and just about time to pull it out and let the world enjoy it. This uh, particular person is the preeminent scholar on the occult and religion, kind of symbolism, religious symbolism. Boy, the stories Jordan Maxwell spins. He spent his whole life understanding it. He's kind of created his own personality wrapped around what he thinks he's discovered. It should be a movie about Jordan Maxwell. He's a walking, living character. He's the real documentary. So without further ado, let me get straight to the man of the next half hour, Jordan Maxwell. of uh, a legal, lawful you. They call it a straw man. And so they created a document. And the document says that it, it, the, the document has your name, your address, and everything on it, which is you. Then they ask you, would you sign this agreeing that your body is represented by this thing I created? I'm the government, and I created a document, and it has the same name as you. So would you agree that this document represents you? Please sign it. Oh, I would never do that. Well, have to be a you, fool. Well, once you <laughs> sign it, I own you because I own this. I own the paper. And you said that the, that the paper represents you. So now I can do anything I want to the paper. I can't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know, I don't, I don't have any control over you, but I do have control over the paper. And that paper is the birth certificate and the social security card, which represents you. And so it's a government uh, entity that they can control and you sign and agree to it. And that's why on your birth certificate, <clears throat> if you look on the bottom of your birth certificate where your parents signed it, where your mother or father signed it, it doesn't say parent, it says informant. So your parents were informing the corporation that we've got a new TV set that just came in. We got a new toy order that's just come, and now, now, now the corporation can make money off of it. Incidentally, see, the corporation owns your body, and it makes money off of you, and it's selling you and buying and selling you on the stock market. Well, if you come into this country, uh, say from Mexico, illegally, the corporation called United States can put a lien on you. It's called a mechanic's lien. You know, if you pay a painter to paint your house and you don't pay him, he could go down for a few bucks and put a lien on the property, which means that you can't do anything with your home until you pay him. He has a lien on the property, okay? So therefore, if you come into this country and you're undocumented, they don't care if you're illegal, you're undocumented because, because your body can be bought and sold if it's documented. But if we don't know you're here, then you, they go, they, if they catch you, they will put a lien on you. And so then you become known as an alien no, you're not an alien. They have put a lien on you. And so the corporation called United States looks at you as a lien. Alien. So when you look at the, uh, the, the money, uh, our, our dollar bill, of course you'll see on the, uh, on the 
the, 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 what am I trying to say? The symbol for is called the great seal. The great seal is the eagle. And the eagle represents, in all ancient cultures, the eagle always represented the sun. So the eagle <clears throat> has uh, two wings, left wing and right wing. Different number of feathers? Different number of feathers, yes. <laughs> but that's why we only have two political parties. We have a left wing and right wing. Why? Because the eagle only has two wings, a left wing and a right wing, okay? We have something in, the, in, in Washington called the Council of Nine. That's why I have the bottom line, the bottom feathers are nine. They're nine feathers. <clears throat> uh, look at, the, uh, look at the, the 13 stars on the dollar bill and tell me what they make up together, the configuration of all 13 stars. They make up the Seal of Solomon That's or the right. Star of David. That's exactly right, the Star of David. Because the Star of David is actually a new term for that this is a hexagram. Hexagrams have been around for 10,000 years. Hexagrams are very, very old ancient symbol that's been used by the Hindus, the Buddhists. Uh, all the ancient peoples of the world have used a hexagram, a six-pointed star. The old Babylonians would draw a circle around the, on the ground and draw a triangle inside the circle. Then put a second triangle uh, uh, in, inside the circle, which makes a star of David or the six-pointed star. Then they'd step inside and cast a spell on you. And that's what we call putting the hex on you. They put the hex on you. And so the hex is a six-pointed star. And so, um, and originally the six-pointed star of David was referred to, and look it up in the encyclopedias and reference works on, on occult symbols. It will tell you that the star, six-pointed star, uh, or the hexagram, was a symbol for the planet Saturn. It's an old ancient astronomical symbol for the planet Saturn, which I think is interesting because the Hebrews are worshiping the planet Saturn, Lord of the Rings. And that's why uh, you know, Saturn and the old, now I'm getting into religion, but um, in the ancient world, the, the planet Saturn in the old ancient Phoenician language was called Shabbath, S-H-A-B-B-A-T-H. Shabbath was the planet Saturn in the Phoenician language. So today, the Hebrews who are still uh, keeping holy the worship of Saturn, they call it Shabbath or Sabbath. And so the Sabbath is actually showing respect for the ancient Hebrew god Saturn, Lord of the Rings. Uh, because that's what now uh, Shabbath was, the name for, for the planet Saturn. And now we have Saturday. Yeah, now we have Saturn Day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and why is it that the Hebrew people and others around the world too um, have their holy days after sundown? That has to do with the time of Moses. Uh, because even in the Bible, in the, in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, it says that uh, when God was creating the world, he started off with the evening and the morning of the first day, the evening and the morning of the second day. Always God even started off with doing things in the evening and then goes to the next day. So that's why the Hebrews today um, uh, celebrate all their holy days after sundown. Why? Because during the time of what, the, in, in history, that Moses would have been around, Moses was the leader of a lunar cult. It was a time in which uh, the, the Hebrew people, or those ancient people we call the Hebrews, were worshipers of the moon. Because in the, and if you've ever been to the Middle East, and especially into Egypt, <clears throat> looking across East uh, from Egypt is the Sinai. And in the Sinai, there are high mountain ranges in the Sinai. And at night, 
from Egypt side and from the Egyptian side, you will see the moon come up. And so the ancient peoples, very ancient peoples, believed that the moon lived in the mountain. And he was referred to by the Arabs as the old man of the mountain because at night he comes up out of the mountain. And so the moon god lived in the mountain. The moon god was called Sin. Look it up in our dictionary, S-I-N. Sin was the name of a god of the moon in the Arabic world. And, and the word A-I was a mountain. And so you put the god, which is the moon, Sin, with his mountain, A-I, put it together, it becomes Sinai, Sin A-I. So this old, very holy sign, no, it's Sin Ai, the, holy, the mountain of the moon god. And when does the moon god come out? Well, he's not coming out when, the, when, when God's son, the light of the world, Christianity is worshiping God's son, the light of the world. Of course, the sun is the light of the world. What else lights the world if it isn't the sun? And so the, the Christians are worshiping the sun god while the ancient Hebrews were worshiping the moon god. And he don't come out till after six. So he comes out after, after sundown. So that's why they started all their days after sundown because they were the worshipers of the moon god. And Moses was not a Hebrew name. Moses was an Egyptian term. It meant something. Moses simply means the son of. Like in Hebrew, bar meant, or ben, ben and bar in Hebrew means the son of. So that's why you have Judah Ben-Hur, for instance. Ben-Hur, what is H-U-R, and, and where does that H-U-R come from? It comes from Horus. Judah, the tribe of Judah, was the son, was the worshipers of, of, uh, of Horus when they were in Egypt. Well, because the Egyptians were worshipers of the sun god. Uh, my goodness, it, it just all kinds of interesting stuff about words and terms and how the religion started. And... Uh, well, we need to get back to it. Yeah, let's finish up the dollar bill real quick, and then we'll yeah. go into specifics on sovereign citizenship. I have yeah, a question yeah. or two. Well, anyway, so, uh, of course, on the back, on the reverse of the Great Seal, of course, you'll see the pyramid. Very few people uh, ever have a question, why do you have an Egyptian pyramid on a dollar bill? And why is the I at the top? And what does that mean? And the words in Latin, you know, most people are trying to earn a buck, they're not even looking at it. <laughs> but if you look at the back of the dollar bill, it says, Annuit Cueptus. And on the bottom, below the pyramid, it says, Novas Ordo Ciclorum. New order of, new the, order of the world. The new world <laughs> order. And, and the Annuit Cueptus over the top is, simply means our enterprise is successful, or our enterprise has been crowned with success. And so what enterprise? The new world order. The New World Order, uh, the pyramid has 13 layers, just as the uh, 13 stars, there are 13 feathers, there are 13 uh, stripes, and, and the, uh, the shield. You'll see the American shield. That's what is called an American flag. The American flag, the stripes are going up and down. A United States flag, which is a corporation, it's a privately owned company, U.S. flag, the stripes go th that way. So. Uh, it's, it's interesting how people don't realize there are two kinds of flags. And so the, the, when the corporation was being founded, it was different than when the country was being founded. You know, because we talk about the Star Spangled Banner. Well, a banner is, is, a, is a promotion for a corporation. It's not a flag. Anyway, there's a whole story about the, uh, about the eye 
the eye, you know, Christians say the eye is the lie, eye of Lucifer and the eye of the devil because they have no idea in the world what the eye really stands for. The eye on the back of a dollar bill is the symbol for the Hebrew Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, in the in the book of and uh, the book of Isaiah and in the book of uh, Psalms and other places in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Messiah, not Jesus. The Hebrew Messiah was referred to as a chief cornerstone the builders rejected. The word chief cornerstone is interesting in Hebrew. Not a cornerstone, chief cornerstone. And then in the New Testament, which is Christian, Jesus is twice referred to, once in the first uh, Peter and once in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is referred to as the chief cornerstone the builders rejected same term that's used in the Old Testament for the original, uh, for the Jewish Messiah. What is the word chief cornerstone? And again, Christians will tell you today, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. No. Go back and read it correctly. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Big difference. Very big difference. Chief cornerstone, when you look up in the ancient Hebrew, means a triangle perched on top of a pyramid. A pyramid is the, is the stone, but if you cut the top of the pyramid off, it's a perfect little pyramid itself. And that little one is called, in Hebrew, a chief cornerstone. So therefore, the, 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 the Messiah is represented, for the Hebrew Messiah, is represented on the dollar bill as a chief cornerstone. Now you'll see the light emanating from around it. It goes back to the idea that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, he is called God's Son, the light of the world. Interesting stuff when you get into American dollar bills and, and the symbolism on it. It all goes back, as I said, to corporations' business. The whole thing is business. Religion is a business. And it's a very big business. And I am always amazed and shocked to see how religion, what it has done to the human race. I have the highest of respect and the highest of admiration for spirituality. I believe in a divine spiritual presence in the world and in the, in, the, in the universe. There's no doubt in my mind that there is a very high intelligence being expressed in the heavens. I have a highest respect for basically what you would call God, whatever that is. God is simply dog spelled backwards, right? Yeah, no label can limit the infinity. No, absolutely. You're trying to understand the infinite with a finite mind. Like, like uh, Manly P. Hall, my dear friend, said, if you can explain something about God so that everyone can understand, then that would prove conclusively that you don't know anything. Because your pea-sized, ignorant, ill-informed, uninformed brain cannot understand the divine complexity of the universe. And the best scientists in the world, they don't even understand it. And every 10 years, they got a whole new uh, understanding of the universe. But I am totally convinced that there is a presence in the universe that men have called God. It's just that it's not on TV. It's not on TBN. Uh, that is a monstrosity. Christianity today is a monstrosity. But then again, most of religion is a monstrosity because it's, it's, a, it's a business. It's, it's all based on commerce. That's why churches are divided into denominations, like 10s <laughs> and 20s, right? You need to look at words. Words are very important. Now, in relation to uh, the corporation, how to get out of it. Well, first of all, you're born into it, so the first thing you need to understand is that your birth certificate makes you 
I, because it's, I didn't, I forgot to bring this out, that I said where your parents signed the birth certificate, it doesn't say parent, it says informant. Mm -hmm. But look on the other side and you will see the whole birth certificate is a, is a it's on, it's on stationery, which is um, security paper. It's on bank security paper. It's got the little you know, security um, design all around it. So it's a security on the stock, stock exchange. But on the bottom, on the left-hand side, on the bottom, it will, it's printed. It will tell you the, this, that this birth certificate is the property of the Department of Commerce. Why? Because you are a commercial product. Your mother gave birth to you. She was in labor. She built you in labor, and then you came out of your mother's water, so you are a maritime admiralty product, just like the TV that came from Japan came in on water. That's why if you're going to be born again, you have to go out and be dumped into the water and be born again because you came out of your mother's water. So how exactly do I shred the birth certificate? Well, uh, yeah, there are, there are two ways of doing it. Um, the first way is going to be very, very difficult anymore because the <laughs> government the government realized the people were getting uh, were catching on to the trick of how this stuff works. And there seemed to be a growing movement out there in the world of finding out how we've been had. And there's a lot of intelligent people out there starting to ask questions. And so the government immediately realized they're going to have to do something to, to close the door on this, lock it down quick before these kids start reading too much and learning too much. And now we're going to have a problem because now they're talking and they're learning how we did this and they're, they're learning the, the tricks and the secret of how we control them. <laughs> so we better do something quick. So they knocked down the, uh, the World Trade Center, scared everybody to death. The boogeyman's going to get you and Al-Qaeda is going to get you and Bullshiter or whatever it was and they're going to get you. And so therefore now they are able to, to enforce new laws that say if you even open your mouth, you're going to prison. And if we catch you even thinking the wrong German thoughts in Berlin, we catch you thinking or saying anything, you, you're, you're scaring me. You know, I'm your master and I own your body on the stock market. And if you start talking about freedom, that scares me. And therefore, basically, I'm terrorized. Therefore, you are a terrorist. Now I can, <laughs> I can arrest you as a terrorist. Why? Because you're talking too much. And I'm thinking to myself, where, where are the Jews on this? This is what the Jews went through in Berlin. This is the stuff they went through in the 1930s. I mean, where's Steven Spielberg? Where's George Lucas? Where are the Jews in Hollywood saying that this is the same stuff that, that they were doing to the Jews in, 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 in Europe? Now they're doing it here. Same thing. Same spirit. Same spirit, same thing. Then there's Operation Paperclip where 100-plus Nazi scientists were recruited by the U.S. CIA. The CIA, which actually, and the CIA was originally called the U, uh, was originally called the uh, OSS, Office of Strategic Services. During the Second World War, the the United States got together with the Vatican. The Vatican's behind all of this stuff, way <laughs> behind all of this stuff of the Vatican, and the Jews should know it. Jewish people should understand. 
You hear all this stuff, I've said this publicly so many times, you hear all this stuff about the Jews are doing this and the Jews are doing that and the Jewish, all the Jews I know are trying to find a job. You know, they're just trying to stay alive. They're not controlling the world, they're trying to, trying to find a job. They're trying to just live and pay their bills. So, uh, so when you hear all this stuff about the Jews are doing this and that, you better go back and look at the real powers behind the world throne. That's the Vatican. You better go back and check out the Jesuits, because in New York, it gets go, in New York, you will see who is the people, who are the people who are putting the presidential candidates together. If it isn't the church, you always see the cardinals and the, and the big shots in the churches bringing all the the and Jones. Uh, what is it? Uh, the 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 university back uh, back east in, in what is that university? It's a Jesuit university. Jesuits are really behind a lot of this stuff. I mean, get the movie Godfather Three, the third <laughs> one in the series. Michael Carleone, everybody knows he's a, he's a godfather, he's the head of the mob family. And in the very beginning of Godfather Three, he's being anointed with a sword in New York as a, and as a member of the Knights of Malta. <laughs> yeah, it's in the movie. He's a, in the, and he's right in the church, and the cardinal is anointing uh, uh, Michael Carleone into something called the Knights of Malta. The Knights of Malta are a very powerful secret society operating in behind and for the Catholic Church. They are connected to something called Opus Dei, uh, the work of God, Opus Dei, and Opus Dei, CIA, uh, NSA, all of these uh, alphabet agencies are connected to the Knights of Malta, which is a Catholic uh, institution. And I, it makes sense because Rome, America, is the new Holy Roman Empire. I mean, Caesar, <clears throat> where did Caesar rule the empire from in Rome? He ruled from some place called, a place in Rome called Capitoline Hill, Capitol Hill. And in the re reference books, uh, you can read in the history books where Caesar in the morning would go up on the hill. Well, we still say that, you know, the president's up on the hill. What was he up on the hill for in Rome? Well, he was going to officiate over the Senate. That's what we got. We got a Senate up on the hill. It's all Catholic. It's all Jesuit. It got nothing to do with Jews. We're talking Vatican, the Holy Father. This is why all over the world, all the politicians go and kiss the ring of the Holy Father and bow down and kiss, uh, kiss the ring. Why? Because he's the Holy Father. He represents God. He is the Godfather. We're talking Rome. We're talking powerful occult orders of secret societies, opus die. They're the people <clears throat> who are, Rome gave birth to something called P2, Propaganda Due. P2 Lodge is operating out inside the Vatican, inside the Catholic Church as a, as a secret society called Propaganda Due, P2. P2 is an extremely powerful occult network of very powerful politicians, military leaders, and they are well known. Even in, God, even in the movie Godfather 3, P2 is mentioned twice. Go back and, and watch it. They talk about P2. And there's a time when the young man who's taking over the Godfather position uh, is meeting the, the Grand Master of P2, Propaganda Due. It's in the movie. And he introduces him as the Master of P2. Well, P2 is called Propaganda Due. It's a secret society operating in, in, in the Vatican, which is actually the terrorist 
of the, of the world. They are the ones who are causing the terrorists all around the world. Terrorism, South America, Central America, and Europe, where they're blowing up cars and killing people. They will send in, they send in P2, they go in and cause and kill people and cause a, a massive uh, destruction. Then they pull out. Now the government has to go in to do something to help them. And so the, 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 the power up on the hill, the Senate, Rome, has to go in and take care of these people. It's a trick. The whole entire world is a business. And the more I learn about this, the more you see how this stuff really works. It's extraordinarily scary stuff. So <clears throat> it's very difficult to get out of, the, out of the system, and I'm not sure you want to. What are the pros and cons of this exact thing? Well, how do let you me tell travel? You. Yeah, there are. There are pros and cons. Uh, there, are, there is a way to get out. There's a, actually a fairly easy way to get out from the system. But here's the problem. Um, when, when you opt out of the federal system, you don't want to be a federal employee anymore. You can become a state citizen. This is what was going on before the, uh, and during the Civil War. Before the Civil War and during the Civil War, people in America were called state citizens. And the way uh, the country was set up back in uh, you know, 1776, every man, woman, and child in this country was considered a sovereign, meaning you had the same power in you if, as an American, you had the same power of a king of England. <laughs> you were a sovereign. That's why in the cowboy movies, you've seen how many movies, you know, the John Wayne cowboy movies, well, the cowboys are riding into town with guns. They didn't have to have a permit. Ask those guys coming in uh, off the prairie with their guns. Do you have a permit? <laughs> Don't take a permit. Come out in the street. I'll show you my permit. Why? Because cowboys could wear guns. Why? Because you're a sovereign. Under maritime admiralty law, the way the country was founded, you're a sovereign. Sovereign means you're a king. And a king has a right to arm himself. The king of England has a right to have an army. What are you going to do about it? And so one day, if the king of Spain wakes up and decides he wants to, uh, he doesn't like the king of, of France, and he's going to declare war on the king of France, well, that's the same thing in a bar, in, in a cowboy. One king, he's a sovereign. He's got a guns. He's got his own guns, and he's legal. He's lawful. And he's decided he doesn't like you. You're another king. So now you've got two kings, and, they've got a, a, uh, and now they've got a bad situation here. Well, go out in the street and solve it. Why? Because that's not like the movie High Noon. Cowboys could go out in the street in America in front of the sheriff <clears throat> and draw on each other. Why? Because the law says that you were a sovereign. And as a sovereign means you're a king. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to pay for it. You know? <laughs> because if you, you know, you're carrying a gun, well, so is he. And so if you're going to go out in the street with a gun, just know this is serious. One of you is not going home tonight, right? And so that was the way America was founded. Well, after the Civil War, around 1848, a group of men in Europe, in England, got together. They were called, the group was called the League of Just Men. The League of Just Men. And they set up, they wrote a, they wrote a manifesto for a new kind of government in Europe. But this was in, 17, uh, uh, you know, what is it, uh, 18... 48, 
in America, but in, in Europe there was a League of Just Men and they were writing up a new plan for a new kind of world government. And so the League of Just Men wrote up a document and then they picked somebody to put their name on it because they didn't want anyone to know who wrote it. So they picked a guy named Karl Marx. Karl Marx did not write the Communist Manifesto. The, it was written by a, a handful of men called the League of Just Men and they put Karl Marx's name on it. But he didn't write uh, the, the Communist Manifesto. Um, it's like uh, uh, you know, evolution. Uh, Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin did not write Origins of the Species. He didn't write anything about uh, evolution. Charles Darwin never wrote anything about evolution. And today everybody, oh, Charles Darwin, evolution. Charles Darwin never wrote anything, period, about evolution. Go back and do your homework. You'll find out that Charles Darwin's family financed a man named Wallace. Uh, the guy's last name was Wallace. I don't remember his first name. And Wallace was the, was the guy who was traveling around the, the, the middle, the, the, um, in the, what am I trying to say, in the uh, Caribbean. <clears throat> and he was studying all the animals and the, and the, and the reproduction of animals and he was writing. And, and, but Charles Darwin's family was financing him because they were very interested in his work. So they were financing uh, this guy named Wallace. And so Wallace was writing all these notes about his ideas and thinking about evolution of animals, etc. And then uh, he got very sick toward the end of his life and wrote a letter to, to Darwin's family and said he was very sick and he may not make it. So, you know, you need to come and help me and get all this stuff out of here if I, if I die. So Charles Darwin came over and got all of uh, Wallace's books and papers and everything. And then when he died, when Wallace died, Charles Darwin figured, well, uh, you know, my family financed the whole thing. I'll put my name on it, become a big movie star. So Charles Darwin puts his name on book uh, that becomes known as, you know, he's the father of revolution. He's not the father of anything. He's just a ripoff. All his family was just financing Wallace. So when you understand how all that, these things that we're being told, we're being lied to every day. I mean, the Marlboro man dies of lung cancer. Nobody knows, you know. <laughs> and um, so... But there, there, uh, to go back to the idea that uh, there was a time when you could become a state citizen. And if you're a state citizen, that means you're not in the federal system because the federal was referred to as a U.S. citizen. But no, if you were born in Colorado, you could say, I'm a Colorado citizen, not a, a U.S. citizen. And so you can do the same thing today. You can become a state citizen today in America. And, and once you do, you're out of the federal system completely. And the federal government no longer has any jurisdiction over you at all, period. Would you be allowed to grow hemp if you were a sovereign citizen? Oh, yeah. You would be allowed to do anything. Ignore that, building codes. No, no more building codes, none of it. Because wow. you are completely out from under the federal jurisdiction. And that's the name of the tune. Any cop will tell you, jurisdiction. I mean, if you have a, a wife and your baby and, and your kid is in my house and he's, and he's acting up, I can't discipline him. Why? Jurisdiction. He's not mine. He's yours. If anybody's going to do anything, you, not me, because I don't have jurisdiction. Well, that's the way the government works. If you're a state citizen, the federal government does not have jurisdiction, and they know it. So they just leave you alone because you, they, they, they can't touch you.